Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Marfis has texted us to say, Bob, just wondering if players' bonuses count against the team's cap. Thank you. Uh, well, yes, as an example, uh, the Oilers' Evan Bouchard uh, ended up getting all four of his bonuses, uh, around 800000 uh, on his entry-level deal. That will be applied to uh, next year's cap. So there you go. Without further ado, we head off to the River Creek Resort and Casino Hotline, and we are pleased to welcome back to the show Mark Antoine from The Athletic in Montreal. Hello, Mark. How are you doing? I'm great, Bob. How are you? I'm not bad. Uh, yeah. it, it's, it's, it's an interesting time. You know, I was discussing the other day, I said my preference would be for the Oilers to re-sign Evander Kane. If they can't get Kane to come back, they need to target a player that plays somewhat like Kane. And I brought up the name Josh Anderson, and I explained to the listeners that, you know, and again, in a perfect world, they, they get Kane first. Uh, it's my belief there'd be a lot of interest in Josh Anderson around the league, and I think Anderson would post a lot better numbers at Edmonton playing on a team with McDavid and Dreisaitl than he did this past year in Montreal. And I also said, you know, the Canadians would be asking for something significant in return. And I brought up the name Xavier Borgo, who we just had on the show. I said, like, this is not a trade offer on, or a suggestion for me. It's just the reality of working away. So I know Frank Cervelli's reported a bit, uh, Frank, uh, or Mark, on the situation with uh, Josh Anderson. Maybe you can assess because you're, uh, you know, you're at the ground level there in Montreal. Uh, how much interest do you think the new Canadians management team got in uh, Anderson at the deadline? I, I think they, they, they had a, a fairly bit of interest in him. Uh, what I question is their own interest in moving him. Uh, just because of the package that he offers, is it, it's just hard to get those guys. The Canadians, you know, traded Max Domi a year after he had like season, uh, like career highs in Montreal. Uh, they gave up basically who was one of their two best centermen in order to acquire Anderson. They won that deal. But yep. Anderson, I mean, the package of, of size and speed mainly, and, and and to a certain extent, skill too, is just uh, it's the sort of package that's so hard to get either on the open market or out of a trade that uh, once you you got one of those guys, you better hold on to them. Hundred so, percent. I hundred percent agree. The point I'm making is, if you're Edmonton and you lose Kane to free agency, yeah. you have to go get another guy that's a bit like that. And to me, Anderson's a player that's somewhat similar to Evander Kane. Yeah, uh, yeah, I agree. I agree. I think uh, I think that Anderson would, would play, would be very good in the Western Conference. But at, as much as the Canadians are interested in looking at shedding salary and, and bringing a bit more 
financial sanity on their books. Uh, I'm, I'm not entirely sure that Josh Anderson is prime candidate number one. He's probably a guy that would be easier to move because there would there would be a yes. higher level of interest in him than some other guys. But I don't think that they're looking at him saying, yeah, this is the guy that we need to uh, to move away from. So let's go through some of the players that theoretically we know. Uh, now, Jeff Petrie, did he ask for a trade during the course of the season? Uh, no, he did not. Actually, you know, it, it, we, we get mixed messages on that because he says that he never did. Okay. Uh, but on the other side, he made – he made it clear that he was dissatisfied with the way things were going. Now, this is the message that was sent to Kent Hughes when he first arrived on the job, and back then Dominique Ducharme was still the head coach. I think that Petrie's perception of playing for the Montreal Canadiens changed uh, a lot after Martin Saint-Louis okay. was brought in because his play changed quite a bit too. Uh, so he might have a bit of a change of heart, but... I mean, Kent Hughes is on the record saying, you know, we'll try to accommodate the player and as long as it makes sense for us. So I think that the list of teams that would welcome Petrie is much longer than the list of teams that would be willing to give anything valuable for him. He's 34 years old. He's got three years left at 625. It's, 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 a, it's a tough sell if you want to give something if you don't want to sell low, basically. So, you know, we've heard Detroit, we've heard Dallas, those might be the type of teams that might make sense for Jeff, but you don't think the acquisition costs would be significant. Uh, the Canadians wouldn't be getting a lot in return, is what you're saying. No, well, it's it's mainly because of either where those teams are on their, their progression curve. Does it make sense to add a veteran defenseman like that, considering where the team, those respective teams are? Uh, a team like Detroit, for example, uh, it, there's a fit just because it, it, he's a hometown guy and all that. It's a young blue line, but their two best defensemen are playing on the right side, Moritz Sider and, and uh, Philip Ronick. So are you going to bring Petrie to challenge one of those two guys? It's, yeah. it's, if he was a lefty, it would make a lot more sense. So there are, there are various destinations that are interesting, but uh, at the same time, there's none that jumps out to me saying, wow, this is the, this is the piece that's missing for them. Is there any way, uh, Marc-Antoine Godin from the Athletic of Montreal joining us, is there any way Shea Weber plays again? I don't think so. Okay. Uh, I, I, I think it's done, and I think that if they can find a way to move his contract uh, to another team, they will. But uh, the, the market is rather soft right now for uh, for moving an LTIR contract. All right. So entirely possible that Petrie remains with the Canadians. Do they need a right shot power play guy? They do well. Actually, they would if they were to move Petrie. And I see where you're going with that. <laughs> I mean, if they were, if they could manage to move Petrie, uh, you know, let's say to to Detroit or to uh, to uh, Dallas. The, uh, the Dallas or Philadelphia or whatever. Uh, well, then a guy like Tyson Barry would probably make sense for the Canadians yeah. in the shorter term. But uh, I mean, for the Canadians, any move that is destined to free up cap money. The money that's freed up has to make sense longer term. It's not for a short-term quick fix. Otherwise, it's it's you know it's uh, it's um, uh, a sideways move, and I don't think that it would get the Canadians anywhere. So it has to that money needs to be used up and and would make sense on the longer term. Where are we at so, right now, Mark? Where are we at right now with Carey Price? 
With Kerry, uh, there's no new news for him. He received a, 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 a PRP uh, injection, which is a uh, placement, uh, plasma-rich uh, placement. I think that's how it's called. Anyway, uh, it, it's a procedure in order that, to help him uh, heal his knee. Uh, he's been, from what I've heard, he's been uh, offered the possibility of a surgery that would reconstruct his knee totally, but that would mean uh, not playing next year, and he, he wow. has keeping this off the table so what are the options now for him to uh to find a way to to be able to play despite the pain or to get rid of the pain on time for next season it's uh, it, it's a it's a tough ask but i don't at the same time he's not ready to retire he's not ready to uh you know uh give up on the efforts of uh, uh of playing again uh next season so my best bet and again there's no new uh you know, the late information on that, but my best bet would be to see Carey Price try to come in next season at the beginning of the season, saying, "Okay, I'm good enough to, I'm well enough to play, and we'll see how long it holds up." Wow. And at some point, he'll say, "Okay, well, it doesn't hold up anymore." <laughs> they got Anderson as a right wing. They also had Brendan Gallagher at a right wing, and those two combined for 12 million bucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jerry Johansson has uh, Brendan Gallagher. Do you think he's yeah. a guy? Is there any way the Canadians would eat money on him to look at a potential move there? I don't think so. I don't no. think they'll want. To, no, I don't think they'll want to eat money. Uh, I don't think that they'll want to uh, to uh, to either. Um, you know. Uh, sign a buyout of contract, things like that. The Canadians, again, they're any short-term gain you can get from that move. It, it must not come at the expense of medium to long-term success. So what I mean by that is that paying the price, you know, uh, if let's say use, he said that he does. Can't you said that he doesn't want to spend valuable assets to convince another team to take on a bad contract? In other words, let's say you would probably love to move a guy like Mike Hoffman, but I think that the Canadians are unlikely to give up, let's say, a, a second-round pick to make it happen. So uh, I think that there, as much as the team wants to get better. It could make more sense for the time being to hold on to some of these players, build their value back up next season, and revisit the possibility of trading them at a later date when they've performed better and there's not much term left on their contract. Yeah. Well, it's interesting for sure. Now, I've, Mark, you can help me out here. I'm hearing report and, and you know reading some of the stuff from The Athletic. I, we all thought Shane Wright was going number one. The draft is in Montreal on July 7th and July 8th. You have yep. Jeff Gordon. You have Kent Hughes. Gordon's an American. Are they possibly looking at taking Logan Cooley, or do you think the pick will ultimately be Shane Wright? Oh, I think that if it's not right, it's going to be Yuroslavkovsky. I don't think okay. – uh, I, I think it's highly unlikely that it's going to be Logan Cooley. And we discussed – Josh Anderson earlier. Well, the same thing applies to you as Lafkowski. When you got a package like that, those guys you and you have the possibility to draft them, you do so. I think that the issue, the big debate right now that makes it uh, uncertain, is that you have on the one hand, well, you have the dilemma of the certainty to reach your potential. I think that Shane Wright is a rather low risk. He's a guy that is, his ceiling might not be huge, but he's pretty much a, it's a safe bet to reach a certain projection, whereas Slavkovsky is a bit more of a hit or miss. 
Yeah. Uh, the Edmonton Oil Kings have Caden Gooley. Does, yeah. does he have a chance to make the team next year as a lefty? As a, that's a good question. Uh, I think that he, if he shows that he's uh, – no, I, I, I think that he's, they'll give him a chance, but they have a pool of young defensemen uh, right now that they, they are considering, and the Canadians are on the record saying that there is not, they're not going to throw in three rookies at the same time. All right, So Gooley is part of a group with – uh, Justin Barron with Jordan Harris and a couple of other guys. I think that he's in a good spot to earn uh, a, a, a spot with Montreal next year. But what they're thinking of doing is, let's say, they would bring two rookies at the same time and have them possibly rotate between the Canadian, uh, between Montreal and the American League and say, well, okay, we'll give you 20, 30 games, send you down and see where's your progression at uh, further down, uh, further later in the season. So I think that it's too early right now to commit and say that Caleb Ngoli is going to have his regular spot in the blue line, but he's certainly a candidate. It's just that they have so many young defensemen coming up. They'll need to fill spots, uh, but among those regulars, Justin Barron being a righty, I think he has a slider edge over Gooley, Harris, and, and let's say Matthias Norlinder. But, I mean, you, you see it too. I mean, Gooley is, is, is very impressive right now. So he's got – is there anything else he could do to show that no. he's, he's knocking at the door right now? I would, I, say, mean, I would say of the guys that have played with the Edmonton Oil Kings uh, since 2008 – He's the most NHL-ready of any player Edmonton's had. And right. remember, Jake Neighbors played nine games with St. Louis at the start of this season. But to exactly. me, Gooley looks more advanced. I know he's playing a tougher position. I mean, he's he's been wonderful. It's been a great pickup for the Edmonton Oil Kings. Uh, Got to ask you about two more guys, just in terms of potential cap flexibility. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's the status of Jonathan Duran, and what about Paul Byron? Because they both got a year left. That's right. So uh, Drouin, uh in all likelihood, is going to be healthy on time for next season. Uh, he's not going to be bought out. Uh, I think that he's a candidate to be to be traded to for for cap relief if uh, the price if the ask is not prohibitive. Uh, so that's a possibility. Uh, that's that's a guy. I mean. I was thinking before you called, I was thinking, well, you know, you, you put him on McDavid's line and you'll probably get the best ever from Duran you could possibly dream of. Uh, so, yeah, it's one year one year left uh, on his deal. It's Obviously, he's been a disappointment, but everybody acknowledges the fact that the, the, the there is potential there. It's untapped potential and will ever – it might – stay on tap forever but gosh it's an enticing potential uh so there's the chance that he might be moved uh there's no doubt there as for byron uh i think that they see him as a as a veteran that's useful to the team uh you know a guy with a letter on his sweater and uh it's i think that they're going to hold on to him his his injury status i mean he, he was he should be fine, but he's he's banged up. So I don't know how much law hockey left he really has, but we'll see at the beginning of next season. Uh, but I ex- I expect at this point Byron to be part of the Montreal Canadiens uh, next season. Now uh, we mentioned uh, Jerry with uh, Brendan Gallagher. He's also got Brett Kulak. 
Yeah. Uh, I saw a report out of Montreal indicating that Kulak uh, appreciated his time. You you mentioned those young left shot D. Do you think there's any possibility that Montreal would circle back and look at uh, re-signing Kulak and bringing him back into the Canadiens' fold? Yeah, I, I don't really see it because I think that Kulak's in a position now to uh, to ask for north of $2 million a year, and the Canadians are just not in in a place where they can afford to invest that much money in a guy that for years has been a five or a six for them. Uh, I would, you know, I think that he enjoyed his time in Edmonton too, and I would, it would probably make more sense for the Oilers to retain him than for him to go back to Montreal. Uh, he did like his time in Montreal, and I think he was, uh, he, he didn't always re- deserve the criticism he got. Uh, he was not highly regarded, I think, by, by Marc Bergevin, but I think he was, at times, he really stepped up. He's a good playoff performer, Brett Kulak, and and I think that he's uh, he's underrated. And, but now after the playoffs he's had with Edmonton, I think the payday is coming, and I don't see Montreal being in the running for a guy like that. All right, new management staff. Final question for you, Mark Antoine, and, and that's you know two first round picks. They got the, their own pick in the the Flames pick in the Toffoli trade. They got uh, their own pick in in the Oilers pick for the Kulak deal. They got two thirds and two fourths on top of their own. So they got Anaheim, Carolina, and then the Rangers in Tampa. Yeah. Um, it's a huge draft for Montreal at home, isn't it? With with uh, Kent Hughes, the general manager, uh, calling the shots. Yeah, huge draft, and I think that the Canadians are going to be. We might see the new management being a lot more aggressive and possibly uh, looking at trading up in some in some cases. Uh, you mentioned pick number twenty six, pick number thirty three, the one from the Oilers at the end of the second round. Those are weapons to. Uh, those are uh, this is ammo to to get up the draft. I think that if they got they have a guy that they really like that's still available uh, in the mid teens, uh, they they would have you know the resources to trade up. So I think that they'll they'll be looking to add some high end talent because they got plenty of depth. The Canadians have tons of depth in their in their system. What they need is top high end talent, and it, it they'll be few of them at the draft so if there's one that's still sliding a little bit that's still available on their list they, i'll look for the canadians to be aggressive to go after that player all right awesome stuff mark thank you for your time and we'll touch base down the road no problem take care bum you bet that is mark antoine godin joining us from the athletic it is currently 12:52 in edmonton Lots of moving parts for the Montreal Canadiens, a team that obviously carries a lot of uh, weight around the hockey world. We'll tell you that guests on the show receive gift certificates too. Roos Chris Steakhouse, whether you're celebrating a special moment or simply savoring the night of the town. Every meal is an occasion at Roos Chris Steakhouse, 780-496-0063. That is the Ashley Fine Flores text line. I'm going to bring Brendan Escott in for a moment when we come back on Oilers Now. I put a text out comparing the numbers between dry settle and, um, or a tweet out between dry settle and Austin Matthews, and I guess I angered some of the uh, Maple Leaf fanboys out there um, because Matthews had 33 career points in 39 career games, and at that point, dry settle. Now I got to go back and check the tweet out, but the bottom line is he had significantly more uh, to the tune. And where was it? Uh, back, 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 and it's gone. Uh, where were we? It was, it was like late May or 
Uh, anyways, it was pretty funny. Just the reaction. Okay, here it was. So as of May 27th, uh, 39 games played for Austin Matthews. He had 33 points. 33 games played for Leon Dreisaitl, and he had 53 points. And I thought, you know, they make a valid point in Toronto because really I should be combining Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner, who have played 78 career games and got 66 points. Uh, Drysaddle has 59 points in 37 career games. So theoretically, if Leon was to get seven points, which is not out of the realm of possibility in his next two playoff games, he could, you know, he could have tied Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner for uh, their combined amount of points in the same amount of games. Oh, wait, no, that's double the amount of games for those guys. Oh, just having fun with you, you know, just having fun. Bob, you need to get off the Anderson bandwagon. The Oilers need goaltending and defense first. That one comes to us from Rob. Rob, goaltending is going to be a huge focus. There's no question about it. And I don't have the answer for you as to where we're at right now. Let's go uh, and tell you to reminder that the Oilers Now Injury Report is brought to you all season long by James H. Brown Injury Lawyers. Unrivaled experience, unrivaled commitment, unrivaled results. Trent Brown, a Edmonton Eskimo alumni, obviously a huge supporter of the Edmonton Elks. That one would have hurt for him on Saturday night. I'm sure the Elks will uh, get her going here in weeks upcoming. Brendan, what are the Oilers doing goal, my man? Oh, goodness me. I mean, listen, I, I thought the carry price made a lot of sense, but hearing hearing the way that Godin just talked about not wanting to retain any value out there, that's not going to work. You're not going right. to get the $10.5 million goaltender. I thought you might have been able to send enough assets that way to get it done. So now are your sights set on John Gibson? Like the, the time He's is got to wave his no-trade clause. He would. Come. He yeah. would. But uh, they, they have to make a move. Like th- This is the offseason that it needs to get done. Yeah, it's going to be really intriguing to watch. All right, coming up in hour number two, the director of amateur scouting for the Edmonton Oilers, Tyler Wright. We haven't had him on because, frankly, the Oilers have been playoff run. Uh, but we do have a draft. It's less than a month away. And uh, Tyler is also a director of player personnel for the organization. So we'll talk about the upcoming draft, the depth of the picks, the challenge in drafting today, given some of the COVID restrictions over the previous months. Um uh, and also the direction and course that some of the Oilers' prospects are taking after a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.